Greetings, my excellent friends, and welcome back to the San Dimas School of Film podcast. Join us on our most excellent adventure through time as we discuss all genres of film. My name is Tim, and with me in the booth, as always, is Jules, Brad, and Al. How are we, guys? Bon Jovi. Good. Excellent. Nice and sharp there. Um, Jules, you're taking us through the circuits of time today. It's been a, oh, I sure feel like am. it's been a while that we've recovered from the last time, I think, we've recovered. What yes. was my last To choice. dive straight bloody yeah, back in. Shall not be named as the last one you did. All right. <laughs> um... <laughs> So today, yeah. you're, you've been threading it for a while on the down low, and now you're taking us back to 2015 today. Yeah. I was Gosh. way off on the other one. I said 2018. <laughs> oh, did you? Um, yeah. Anyway, so we're watching the crime action film Sicario today. So um, it's been a while that Jules has just slowly been kind of peppering us with it. Um, <laughs> and now he's finally doing it, which is good. So... Before we hit the booth, Jules, at the San Dimas School of Film, uh, we acknowledge and are grateful to our first storytellers, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the unceded lands that we are recording on. Let's hit it. Gentlemen, we're history. That's a lot of chars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it. 2015. Al, have we been here before? I don't know. Probably. Um, probably. Don't think so. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, the best way to find out, and no, I don't know. It's not. It's not the best way to find out. <laughs> no, it's never been the best way to find out. <laughs> the best way to find out is looking at yourself. <laughs> it's, I rephrase. It's a way to find out. It is time for history with Brad. History with Brad. History with Brad. History with Brad. That was beautiful. Cool. Sorry, I've gone back to old school Brad, and um, I'm really hungover and very tired. Um, <laughs> sorry oh, And then watching this film this morning is, Was a bit oh, of a shock dude. Actually, Oh you watched it today Oh dude yeah, I know, I know. No. Yeah, oh, God. Oh. It was hard While I was having my eggs Anyway um, <laughs> oh, <dude. laughs> Sicario 2015 Accurately rated MA 15 plus um, 2 hours and 1 minute yeah. Or 121 minutes And aspect ratio Jules Come on you got to get this one 2.40 to 1 what the hell is that? That's not even an aspect ratio. <laughs> that's, that's the aspect ratio. That's Big the aspect numbers. ratio that's written on the back of my uh, Blu-ray. I looked at it. <laughs> oh. 2.40 to 1. Okay, well, look, IMDb says 2.39, so let's go with that. Um, right. This was known as Sicario <laughs> everywhere, other than, well, even in the countries where they spelled it differently, it was still known as Sicario. Um, wow. What happened in 2015? Um, look, I can basically sum up 2015 by... It was just dominated by the Kardashians and... I'm, I'm not even going to mention anything to do with those fuckwits. Um, <laughs> awesome. What else happened? Uh, Netflix you. came to Australia. There was the what colour is this dress debate. I don't know if anyone remembers that. Was it blue? Was it gold? Was it green? You know, who cares? Oh, um, Jon Snow died on Game of Thrones. <gasps> or did he? Um, <clears throat> For the first time. Caitlyn Jenner. Oh, I said I wasn't going to mention anything about the, the um, Kardashians. But anyway, Caitlyn Jenner appeared on the cover of Vanity Fair. Mick Fanning got attacked by a shark. 
Awesome. Punch it in the wow, nose. Was that, oh, was that, that, that was five years ago. ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That was the one yes. where he had the fight where he was punching on with it. Was yeah, 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 yeah. That was for his leg awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, it was, was awful, but it was like, what a video. <laughs> like, see yeah, absolutely. Punching on it with a shark. Um, Michelle Payne became the first woman to win the Melbourne Cup and Char- Char- Charlie. Charlie Sheen announced that he had HIV. Nobody oh, that's, was that's about it. I actually, I watched a classic Charlie film, Charlie Sheen film the other day on, on telly with just hot shots. It was like, oh God, he used to be awesome before he went completely <laughs> yeah. mad. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, you watch like films. You watch films like, uh, what's it? What's that one? Is it Platoon? He's in Platoon. And I'm like, yeah. I actually kind of liked him as a serious actor, even though he's very, very He's a good serious actor. Like, that, Wall Street. Yeah. And a few other things. Hot Shots yeah, 2, you know, yeah. all those serious films. <laughs> yeah, a serious film. <laughs> <yeah>. Navy Seal. <laughs> all right. All right, here we go. Is, is that it? That, that's we're it. done? We're done? Yeah. Okay, we're done. <laughs> that segment. was all of 2015. I moved uh, to Melbourne Jules. In, in 2015. Back. Oh, back, yeah. to Melbourne. back. Sure. Uh, um, Jules, well, before, we, before we crack on with a bit of discussion, um, you mentioned to us in the chat this morning that it's been a while since we've actually given a synopsis as part of a. Um, yeah, I think we've just as forgot. part of an episode. So I'm going to throw it over to you, whether you're prepared or not. Uh, could you just maybe give us a bit of a rundown of Sicario for us? Yeah, look, I actually had a, a think about this, and I was kind of like, oh man, like, what is a scenario of? Sorry, a, a, a synopsis of Sicario, and I'm kind of like, uh, I guess it's uh, the American government um, using the Department of Defense to uh, try and control slash eliminate a lot of the drug cartel activities that are feeding from Mexico into the United States, and uh, that's that's kind of as kind of as good a description as I can really give, to be honest, because. Uh, I mean, look. I don't know if you guys. I don't know how many times you guys have watched this, but I've like, I've, yeah, I've watched, I own this on Blu-ray. I've watched this a movie a lot. The first time I watched it, I was, I was pretty flawed. Like, as in, like, I hit the floor because, I mean, there's not too many films really like it. I don't think. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there's lots of films like it. But um, yeah. So in, yeah, in terms of a synopsis, you know, we follow we follow Agent Kate Mesa, who's a part of. The she is a hostage. She is an rescue. FBI agent. <laughs> yeah. She's a she's a part of the hostage rescue tactical squad, something like that. I, I think is is what her job title and her partner mm-hmm. is Reggie Wayne. You know, so he uh, and he's uh, you know kind of her partner, and you know she gets. She does this volunteer mission with these very mysterious uh, department Department of Defense kind of characters. So. Yeah, I feel like I feel like this segment I'm, needs work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, look, no, I mean, look, I actually, I did actually have a think about it. I was kind of like, how do you even write an accurate synopsis about what this is about? Like, I'm just like, man, there's a lot going on in this movie, and at the same time, kind of getting into the film is like, you know, you watch the film, and I'm not going to go straight to the end here, but after you watch the whole film, you kind of like, who's the good guy in this film? And you kind of like, well, mm. I guess. Yeah, the main character Kate, she's kind of the good guy. Yeah, we, we're on board with her, and she's trying to do the right thing. But everybody in this movie is just a bit of a, an asshole. <laughs> you know, like, I'd say so, Kate is very much the good guy. She, yeah, she's absolutely. She's trying to do the right thing. So. She's the moral compass. Oh, yeah. definitely. Well, she's the yeah. Yeah. we're watching through as well. Yeah. Like we're kept in the dark heavily. 
just like well, she Well, it's is. interesting you say... Yes, it's interesting to say about the moral compass there, Timmy, because like there, you know, I've done a lot of uh, reading about this movie, and um, obviously, like, even before I decided to choose it for a podcast. And man, there's there's so much to this movie in terms of depth that you you could rattle yourself insane trying to figure out what is truly morally correct, and that's kind of the point of the film. It's like, you know, is kind of the bending the rules in some areas you know, a justified means to an end, which is kind of like, uh, what I look, I am literally jumping towards the end now, but, uh, well, it's uh, kind of, look, you know, I, I won't get too, too much into that yet. I'll come back to that a bit later. Once we've discussed a lot more of the film, but it's kind of what Matt says relatively early on that, you know, if they don't do it the way they're going to do it, then every, like, cause she, she raids houses, obviously, uh, in Phoenix. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's Phoenix, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so it's set in Phoenix, yeah. Um, and he basically puts it to her and says, well, if we don't do it this way, chances are you're going to get blown up at some point because yeah. this is, unless we do unless we do it this way and get the people, yeah. the upper echelon people, then... So- you know, going back towards the start, obviously, like uh, you know, we're we're introduced to this house, uh, just house of horrors. You know, like I mean, yeah, if you haven't seen the film, last, then you're in for a bit of a shock. <laughs> last episode, when when Brad, you said I yeah. haven't got past the bodies in the house, and I well, last, I've only seen this <laughs> once before, and for some reason, I thought that was further through the film. I'm like, oh yeah, all right, it's well, like you, you got it's a like fair way scene to, one. It's three minutes in. <laughs> Literally, yeah, it's exactly. like, yeah, <laughs> hole in the wall, and you're like, "Oh, okay, yeah. this is." I could so I had this. this is... I had this vision of you like sitting down and catching. Ah, let's watch a movie. Yeah. Boom, and boom. All right, let's do something else. And... <laughs> <laughs> I've just never like. It's not that it's really bothered me. It's just that yeah. I've never been in the mood to watch it. It's just mm. like I've never been in the mood to watch this movie. A movie that's this serious. Like I understand the context of what it was yeah, all about and stuff, but I've sort of sat down and wanted to watch like you know maybe something lighthearted, and it's like. No, this is a bit. This yeah. is a bit serious it for what I'm reading right now. I might leave this for later. Yeah, mm, very much. Very, very early much. On, so. Yeah, and and the I tone of this I film th- is just utter disregard for human life. Like, but there is the none. funny thing about that is the complete opposite when you when and this is goes back to like the arguments that are made towards the end of the film and even throughout the film. You know, these guys there seems to be this utter disregard for human life, but the ultimate goal for the film is the complete regard for human life. It's this insane cycle you can get yourself caught in, right? Trying to figure it out. Um, that I think with that opening scene though, like, you know, like it really does set the tone for the rest of the film. But I think the music before you even see what's going on, that music, you got the opening sequence and you, the first thing we see is a house and the SWAT guy is going to, you know, kick in this door. But the music... <laughs> with a, man, with a You're truck. just like straight away... <laughs> yeah, it's our boy, it's our boy oh, Johan Johansson, yeah. man. He, uh, he was the yeah, same guy. Yeah. He's the same guy who did Arrival. Yeah, yes. right. Well, this is... Well, Absolutely. We need to talk... And he did pr- Prisoners as well. Yeah, well, we need to talk Denis Villeneuve. Um, Let, let's do it. Let's talk. Denis Villeneuve. Cause, well, because he was Prisoners <laughs> and Arrival, and he did Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and there, yeah. he's 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 got a rep, and he's about to do Dune or or Dune or Dune. Um, mm-hmm. Is it what D U N E Dune yeah, or Dunk? If you've seen the trailer, um, 
No. Yeah, he's he's fast getting a reputation for a guy that makes amazing films that don't make any money. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, like, you know, Blade Runner 2049 was pretty spectacular, but it didn't get a lot mm. of love at the box office, which is a damn shame. Um, same yeah, with right. Prisoners. I've not seen it yet. Uh, people are worried June's going to go the same way. And then he's done a slew of other stuff prior to his, like, you know, Hollywood career, which I'm really keen to check out. Like, there's heaps of it. He goes, he's been, he's been in the game a long time, but he definitely has a crew uh, that he's working with, and a, and a mm. I don't know. It felt very like his kind of film. You know, they're full of these really amazing wide overhead shots, and yeah, there's lots of. Um Scenery shots, wasn't there? And yeah. from interesting oh, okay. angle shots. And, yeah, that whole and opening sequence into Juarez at, and then coming back is oh, mind blowing oh, yeah. in terms of the cinematography and that. It's intense. It. Well, I was keen. I, um, it was Roger Deakins who was the DOP, um, and the list of stuff that Roger Deakins has done is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and he's mm. he's very prolific, including appearances on this show. Um, he he did he basically DOP'd pretty much all the Coen Brothers films. Um, oh yeah, right. He's done all the, the Hollywood um, Denis Villeneuve films, uh, and then he did a bunch of us. He did 1917 very recently, which oh, is you know yeah. heralded heralded for its cinematography. Uh, he did 1984. He did the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, which, if you haven't seen, is is breathtaking. It's super slow. Yeah, slow, really slow, um, really slow but film. Beautiful. Yeah. I, I really, really dig that film. Uh, he did Skyfall. Right. Um, oh, cool. Jarhead, oh, yeah, nice. Hurricane. Tim, I thought you'd dig that one. So mm-hmm. yeah, so Roger Deakins, you know, he knows what he's doing. Sick. So he's had a couple of mild okay movies. Yeah, he's, <laughs> what you know, saying. He's, <laughs> he's got a track record. It's fair to say. Yeah, um, he's doing okay. So. But but you know, some of the shots in Sicario just a freaking sensation. Yeah, like, but I thought it was yeah. interesting because like, he, you know, obviously so prolific. Uh, but this is this feels very much like a a Denis film. Like mm. it, it definitely slots in more than than one of the Coen Brothers films, or you know mm. that sort of thing. So it was good, good match, yeah. good pairing. Is my point. Yeah. But, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna geek out here, but out of Sakari, did anyone have the like a favorite shot of the movie? <laughs> there's like there's two shots in this for me that just kind of tickle my bits, and I'm like I get all excited every time I see them. <laughs> One of my favorites was when they were entering Mexico through the border, yeah. and it's like a wide shot of Juarez, and then ah, yeah. you can see them going through the gates. Just that, this line that whole the vehicles going so through, rude. yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, I was thinking about how so, they actually did that, like the, you know, to it's obviously not a set; it's obviously the border. And no, to, it's, you know, well, no, it's, it's it. not. No, they built it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Jesus. So they, it's set. likely they probably just took a um, they probably just took a standard overpass because I had a good look at it and um, like they probably would have just blocked off an overpass and and rebuilt kind of like some of the surrounding area like an overpass that's not used that much and like even the 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 scenes going into Juarez are actually um, like because they couldn't film in Juarez it's too dangerous uh, so they actually had to film in New Mexico. Um, 
because I mean Juarez like this movie depicts Juarez as a dangerous place and it's it's very accurate in its depiction of how dangerous it actually is it's uh there's there's actually a really good podcast I'm probably going off tangent a little bit here but uh, there's a really good podcast that I I highly recommend everyone listen to if you're into your true crime stuff called The Forgotten Women of Juarez and it it basically it follows these reporters who are trying to uh figure out why all these women go missing in Juarez and it's really good because there's a shot in Sicario, when they're that scene where they're going to pick up the cousin, uh, I think what's his name, Guillermo. So yeah, in that, in that, brother. where they go in, and there's gunshots, and they have to stop, uh, and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna have to find a different way." But if you look outside the window, there's like hundreds of yeah, the pictures photos. of women missing women in Juarez, mm. and it's this huge problem, and it's like the corruption is massive like it goes all the way to the government and look I'm not going to get into it and I'm not going to make this podcast a political podcast uh, or anything like that but um, you know th- I highly recommend if you if you ever want a really interesting uh, listen and, and understand Juarez and, and what it's all about um, you know I highly recommend this this episode uh, this this small um, podcast series called The Forgotten Women of Juarez and it's it's just it's you know it's pretty awful but it's you know I think that's a part of why I enjoy Sicario like I like to have a good understanding of kind of what's going on in the world without being you know a masochist or anything like that but um, um, you know like I think that's why I don't know this is, I have this weird respect for this film because what what the cops you know that opening scene of what the police are dealing with in Phoenix and, and all along the border in these in these cities and you know what's going on with you know the poor police in Mexico and why people have to make choices they're making like I think this movie depicts it really well you know like um, it it you know like we've got the story of Silvio who's this cop uh, in Mexico and you know we don't really know his backstory we just think he's this cop he's on the beat and we don't really even know why he's we're following his story it's not until right at the end that we find out oh he's actually he's actually a dirty cop but it's like you know then you've got to ask yourself you know given how dangerous this city is and the corruption and the cartels he probably started out as a good cop and got pressured into mm. being a drug mule for the cartels like you just don't know but th- but this is something that I really like about this film is it it just makes you question so much. Well, that's the same thing this with Silvio, isn't it? Like he's got a young family. You don't know what has. Hey, you just thrust you don't him know into what... that situation. Hundred percent. You know, like you know, we, it's we uh, us us. We live in our comfortable bubble in Melbourne, Australia. You know, we're way down. You know, like but here's here's these people and their way of life is so difficult, and I think that's reflected really well in in probably the the closing shot of the movie is, you know, you got the, the kids playing soccer and yeah, they're playing soccer and they're having a good time. And all of a sudden there's machine gun shots ringing out just mm. beyond the soccer field. And it's like, everyone pauses for a second and they're like, okay, sweet. The gunshots are yeah, stopped. And they just go back to playing it. soccer. It's just and normal, it's like, yeah. man, that's just normal. So it's like, it's, it, I think it really gives you a good dose of reality, even though this is, you know, you know put in inverted commas, Hollywood, um, a good dose of reality into you know. Hey, I think we've got it pretty good here in Australia, and like I, I think I, I'm do. fascinated with this this thing where like you know, don't be so quick to judge somebody and the choices they have to make in life because their lifestyle and the way the way they have to live is probably a far more difficult than what I have to live with. And yeah, it's just really good. So yeah, they, you know, I'm kind of yammering on a bit, but you know, I think that's one of the things I really love. Have you ever been to uh, anywhere in Latin America though? 
No, I, I hopefully in 2022 I'll be representing Australia on the Street Luge again, and I'll be heading to um, I'll be heading to Argentina. So I'll probably do Argentina, potentially Brazil, and and all okay. up through South America well, and things. Argentina is like so. probably the the safest. I'd say yes, safest country, <laughs> most stable country, probably in in Latin America. But you go to like to Mexico and stuff. Mexico is not so bad, depending. There's obviously bad areas and things Mexico. like that, but it's still very different yeah. to to yeah. everywhere else. So I think I told in in another podcast I was saying how a friend of mine was living in Mexico, working in um, one of the high end luxury product stores. It was either um, LV or or something along those lines. But anyway, oh, yeah. um, Chanel or something like that. And she was working there and. She said the amount of people, the drug cartel guys that would come in with cash because, you know, it's all yeah. untraceable and yeah. she'd, they'd have to go out the back because they were spending, you know, $20,000 on a bracelet for their mistress and so forth. And she'd count yeah. the money and the money would be covered in blood. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And she'd have to go out the back <laughs> and put just... it through the money counter. And she did, the first time, one of the first times she had to use a money counter, she didn't know how to use it. And the drug cartel guy showed her how to use the money counter. <laughs> I <freaking laughs> how to use that. it properly. Oh. Um, but the other thing is, so back in 2001, I was in Colombia, which has had some, you know, some issues with, you know, far right factions and so forth against the government and, mm. and, you know, other issues as well. But just an everyday part of life in Colombia was... You went shopping and hypothetically just say something like Chadston and yeah. you stopped and your car would like the sniffer dogs went around your car. They put mirrors underneath your car to make sure there wasn't bombs in it. Um, yeah. And, you know, that was just to go shopping. And if you went out to a nightclub, there was like a, a, a male line and a female line and you got patted down and checked to make sure that you weren't carrying weapons. And, and this was just normal part of yeah, life. Everyone it's... just accepted that's just how life is. And it was like, you know, obviously, you know, coming from Australia, this was all very, very weird, but... Just yeah. the the potential of just something happening all the time in some of these countries is just something we're not used to. Well, especially in um, there's there's a really good connection with this film, and I, I never really knew it until recently. But there's a really strong connection with this film and what was going on in Colombia with the um, uh, the Medi. I think it's, it's pronounced Medellin. Now they mentioned Med- this Medellin. in Sicario a couple yeah. of times. Medellin, Medellin yeah. right? I, I, I'll keep saying it wrong. I'm sure, but. Medellin is the city of Medellin. Yeah, I've been there. Um, now, Matt, oh, have you? Yeah. That's so. That's obviously where uh, Pablo Escobar was was set mm-hmm. up. Now, Matt Graver, uh, obviously in this movie, who I, I freaking love in this movie, is what's his name? Josh Brolin Josh is Brown. the actor's name. Um, he he mentions he's like you know Brand. when when Kate comes <laughs> yeah. when Kate comes out of the tunnel. <laughs> When Kate comes out of the tunnel at the end, she's like, what is Medellin? And, and he says, oh, Medellin refers to a time. Um, well, it's obviously the time of the Pablo Escobar um, drug cartel and how Medellin was the most dangerous city in the world. And I'm like, I'd never really made the link until I started reading and learning about it. And I'm like, oh, so Alejandro, who we don't know much about and we know he's from Colombia, his family was killed because he was... Well, he was a DA, but I don't know if he was involved with the the Colombian cartel. I don't really know how that works. I don't. Obviously, we don't have enough of a backstory to really understand. But you know, and then all of a sudden, I was kind of like, oh, all this is happening because this is this war. This Sicario war is between the Mexican cartels and the the Medellin cartel in Medellin with with uh, Pablo Escobar. And I'm like, ah, oh, you know, like there's all of a sudden there's so much more 
depth to this film for me and it wasn't just like a well let's just throw a back a sad backstory in for the sake of chucking a sad backstory and like it's actually got uh you know a backstory that has legitimate history even though we only get such a small amount of it so yeah it was interesting uh yeah when uh matt started talking about he's like look it refers to a time when one company you know controlled everything controlled everything and it was simpler Is that what he was, was manageable. saying? It was manageable. It was yeah. Ma- manageable. Yeah. Uh, so he was saying, you know, and then he refers the- to the problem of like, look, if we could get 20% of the population to stop snorting stuff, you know, that's, yeah. which I found fascinating because, you know, it's, it's, it feels rather topical at the moment uh, with, with a lot of stuff that's going on uh, with police and, and how the money is mm. being spent and could it be spent in a different way and used mm. more appropriately in prevention rather than cure? Um, mm. Which which was kind of summed up really simply in that sentence. Um, but I thought that was like that was a really nice hook to to put. Yeah, in. yeah definitely. And there's like a there's a. I mean, one, I was blown away. The first time he said 20% of the nation is snorting and smoking that shit, I was like, what? are that many people really doing it? Like, is it really that many people in America? Surely it's not one in five people. Like, that's huge. Wasn't it, even back in the 70s, wasn't Pablo Escobar, like, banking, like, you know, sort of in the, the $20 million a week and maybe more, even a day or something like that? Oh, like, no, he, he was... It was, it was he had, like he a ran day, out of room yeah, to was, actually store the cash and rats were eating the cash and it was like... And yeah. he just had that much money. It was just ridiculous. But the money yeah, gave he was, him the power. He was and, making you know. billions. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's like, I suppose that with, that was when he, you know, Pablo Escobar was, he was ruling everything. And, you know, what goes back to what Matt was saying to Kate at the end there is like, you know, he's like, he's like, it was, you know what? Like people were dying before the you know, Colombian government cracked down. And, and that's when all Escobar went psycho and started bombing things. Um, you know, like it, there was a, there was a, a sense of order that they're, and they're trying to establish that again. And it's, you know, this is why this movie for me is like, I started getting into all these layers and sitting there trying to understand, you know, like, like Al, you were saying about how, like, you know, with the you know, current issues with the police and where funding goes and, you know, you start questioning so much about this film and I think it was very poignant in the scene where Kate goes to her boss, which is, I don't know, mm-hmm. his name's Dave Jennings, <laughs> but he's the boss, you know, like Kate's boss. They're having mm-hmm. to sit down. They're like, let's let's build a case on this. Why can't we prosecute these guys? And he's like, look, you know, you're raiding houses. We've made twice the arrests this year than we have in the last two years combined. And it's like, do you feel like you're winning? So obviously their tactics aren't working. So all of a sudden now they're using these tactics that go against Kate's belief you know she's trying to follow the book she's following all the rules she's doing everything right and it's and they're not winning and all of a sudden you're followed sorry you're thrown with this question of morality and what's right and what's wrong now these guys are technically breaking the rules they are technically you know helping the competition but they have a greater goal so is them breaking the rules and you know, doing this dodgy stuff, I put that in, in inverted commas, you know, like doing all these dodgy little war games that they're doing a justified means to an end, you know, like, and you start to sit there and you go, well, yeah. you know, yeah, what, I mean, what, yeah, it's what does a little bit say butterfly effect like, though, because yeah, it's, it's, yeah, the first time I watched it, I was just like, man, that was if a they great hadn't film. Have and I was really fascinated with it to start with. 
Yeah, if they hadn't have mucked around <laughs> yeah. with it to start with it's, well, that's, and, and got rid of Pablo and so forth, face. which is now what they're saying they want back. But, you know, they got rid of Pablo and then two other guys stepped in that were worse and then they got rid of those two and then four other guys stepped in that were worse and now they're into the situation where they are and now they're trying to re- reverse it all. And, and it's the same with, you know, so many other things that the, the US government's got involved in, you know, way, way back to, you know, Vietnam and, mm. and so forth and, and obviously Middle East and, and all the influence that they've had through there. But um, the thing that this, this movie sort yeah. of showed to me was that even still we've got all these highly funded US um, government-based organisations that are still basically just guns for hire. So they're being used yes. by Alejandro. Yeah. He's paying them, paying that group of guys to basically help him get to a means and using it as putting it under some form of political, um, you know, sort of gesture sort of thing to well, realistically I d- just I get revenge. I don't know revenge. if he was funding it, though. I, don't, I, th- I feel like it was government funded. Well, or he's at least sort of talked the government into funding his own personal venture. Yeah, well, I mean, but, I mean it's, it's, it's interesting because all of a sudden you've got... It's the way I kind of took that was I felt like the government would have been funding this private little mission. They're using Alejandro as uh, as the you know judge, jury, and executioner, so that I guess you know <laughs> this is going to sound a bit rude, but in in inverted commas, you know, like uh, America has plausible deniability to say, hey, it wasn't us. We didn't do anything. That's why they have to go through the tunnel. But then they send this Colombian Sicario, this hitman, and America technically didn't do anything. They're like, we didn't do anything, you know. Like, we didn't execute this guy. It's it's, you know, all these little yeah. spy and shadow game things they're playing. It's just it was really but that's a, the American government's also very good at doing that. So I don't know if you've ever seen a movie called Charlie Wilson's yeah. War. <laughs> Yeah, which is the perfect example of that, no. where, you know, just through four degrees of separation, the American government funded the Afghanis to fight the, the Russians, but they couldn't actually be shown as funding, <laughs> as to funding the Afghanis at all. Um, so they had to, yeah. they basically had like Israel do a deal with Saudi Arabia to supply guns to the Afghanis. So we had the like Israel dealing right. with, the, with, you know, the Arabs, which is never, you know, just not heard of at all to supply guns to the Afghanis to fight the Russians because the, the Americans couldn't be seen fighting the Russians because that would just start, and it, you know, it was the Cold War era. It's, it's really interesting that you mentioned that because they're the exact same tactics that the cartels are using to launder their money and it's the same tactics that they're, they're talking about at the start of the movie where, you know, they're like, oh, we want to link this to, you know, this cartel boss, but we can't. Like, it's like, it's one of his homes all these bodies are in this house that he owns, but we can't link him to it. You know, it's like mm. everybody is all of a sudden using the same tactic and it's like that same and they're tactic they're the, just using there about that. Yeah, that and they're also doing, he's very smart in the way, like the guy's, you know, smart in the way he's doing it. He's doing just under the limit that's recordable, you know, several times a day with different people to yeah, launder and that, the money. And that whole like replaying, repaying loan debt is very clever as well. Like it's... Mm. Um, yeah, it's 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 crazy. It's cra- like I just honestly, I think I, c- I could honestly talk for hours and hours and hours about this movie. I, I really could. <laughs> I probably should shut up for a second because. <laughs> have, have you seen? Between second one, just gonna. <laughs> I have now. It's it's interesting that you're going to mention that because the um oh damn it, I was going to mention a second ago. It's the second movie actually touches on a couple of things. Oh, about the cartels you mentioned earlier, like how they America's trying to rest- like so in the first Sakara. Now I'm not going to say this is what. America's actually doing. This is what's depicted to me in this fictional film. So I'm 
you know, anybody that's listening and getting, and they might be getting a bit triggered or whatever, thinking that I'm saying this about America. No, this is what I'm, I'm, you know, taking from this film. Um, you, we were talking, Brad, you mentioned just before about how America in the film is trying to reestablish this order about, uh, you know, putting one kind of cartel in power so that they're controlling the drug trade and then there's less violence. In the second Sicario, they actually talk about that. They talk about how, like, they're like, we can't go and destroy a cartel. It's shown that it hasn't worked because what happens is when you destroy one cartel, 50 car- other car- smaller cartel pop up in their, in their place um, and it creates chaos. They yeah. actually mention that in the second film, so... Um, look, I won't get too much happens, in the second film. The know, first, the same thing that happens all the time. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's um, what is it? It's it's a they call it vacuum. It's a vacuum of power. I think is is what sure. it's referred to when you go in and you destabilize something like a you know, like war will destabilize a nation, and all of a sudden you have all these different areas of you know trying to take over politics and you know new areas of power and things like that, but. Anyway, <laughs> the second, you know, it's funny. I, I can't remember what movie, you know, like the joke, the running joke that we have about how, oh, you know, don't watch this before Sicario and blah, blah, blah. It was, I can't remember what movie it was that we reviewed. Did you watch Sicario before or after this one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, whatever movie it was that we reviewed, it was actually the second Sicario that I'd watched before I watched the other film for the one of our previous podcasts. It wasn't the first one. It was the second one. So, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Someone else is going to have to say something. I need to take it. I need to take a drink. I'm talking too much, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Thoughts? <laughs> I like. I like it's, the line when they were talking about um, getting to the boss. Like, if we can eliminate him, he, they they said finding him would be like discovering a vaccine. I was like, ooh, yeah, oh, yeah. I did like that. That was, was a good line. Nice. That was a good line. It's very simple. Question: When um. When Alejandro got to the mansion with, you know, he, he hitched a ride with Manuel. Mm-hmm. Did he kill Manuel? Yeah. Pretty throat. Yes. He did, didn't he? Yeah, yeah he cuts his I throat. couldn't remember if he left him in the car or not. Um, and I, because I, I did, I, had, I did watch it a couple of times, but I thought the second time round we got past that scene, I'm like, oh, I can't, I must have just. Yeah, because yeah, Manuel yeah. turns up at the gate with the three guards and he's holding yeah. his throat and, yeah. He, um, yeah. Alejandro yeah. basically doesn't leave anyone that he's met alive. Mm. Um, he's, uh, no. yeah, pretty much kills everyone that he comes across. Even, even Gabe well, yeah, and he's a very good shot too. I must give him that. Like pretty much hitting uh, Emily Blunt's character, you know, in the vest right, twice. The Kevlar. Yeah. yeah, and then and then literally yeah. one a one handed shot sitting at the at the dining table at the end. One handed, three quick shots within like bang bang bang, and he's got the two kids and oh, the wife. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think um, he could name another XDA with John Wick style. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's pretty handy with the uh, the old pistol. Mr. But I mean, he does that. I mean, as you you know, the fact that he's leaving no nothing behind is what you were talking about before. Like, you know, you, you, you kill the boss, someone springs up underneath, you know, like. Um, yeah. Well, that's the thing, you know, and from his yeah. point of view, it's like if he, if he kills the dad in front of the kids then the kids are basically going to come after vengeance for him and so forth. So his theory is you just kill everyone. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was a bit Ooh. confused about why he killed the family, and obviously, I think it's—I mean, obviously, his whole Revenge. mission is is purely vengeance. And you know, he—it's like that scene. The first time I watched that, 
and that and that happened when he you know he shoots the wife and the two children and and, and I'm just like you I mean you don't really see that in films very often you know like it's just something you don't even really think about it you know like it's it's and I think the first time that I saw that I was as stunned as that cartel boss like after his family gets killed and he's sitting there and he's just obviously his family's just been killed and he's got that face I think I had the same face to be brutally honest I was just like holy shit I did not see that coming like it just like I just didn't even fathom that as a as a thing that was going to happen and it just kind of hits you as hard as as it does for the for the cartel guy what's the cartel boss's name I can't even like um, well it's a it's a weird it's a weird dynamic that Alejandro has because he's in a way he's awfully caring of Kate like he's mm. always checking mm. in on her and, yeah. you know, particularly after anything that happens, he's always the first one to check in on her and it's almost a mercy to a degree of killing the family first because they don't, like they're, well, his wife could be debatable, but the kids are obviously innocent parties in the whole thing. Um, yeah. And uh, as well as it being a dual, pun- like it being a punishment for... Yeah, he does boss. that so so the boss can watch his family die, right? Like, Correct. Yeah. yeah, but at the same time, it's still there's there's mercy there for the family that they're not going to watch him get killed as well. And they die in a much mm. quicker and less painful way than uh, than Alejandro's family. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, I know, right? And I think that's the scariest thing about not them. justifying it's like, it or anything. But... You know, like we're also like we're. We're also desensitized in a way to death that, you know, you see, you hear about stuff like this and the fact that they don't just kill people, they make a point when they kill people and they do it in these, yeah, in these ways. And it just, it puts a whole, it just puts a whole nother level on everything of the fear and the control. And it just makes it so much more impactful when you're dealing with, cartels like this because it's just so horrific yeah. what they the lengths they go to to get revenge the, or to um, make a point doesn't the guy at the start mm. when they're going into um into Juarez and you know he says that the the people actually like to see these people dismembered they actually think about it and go well that guy must have done something you know mm. honorable to deserve that the cartels have done that you know and they've like they're mm. They're happy that they're, or well, not happy, but it's respectful that they you know, that the bodies have been dismembered and hung upside down. No, no, it's, and it's the op- it's the opposite. It's 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 he says um he says it he goes he it's said genius. That, oh, they must they have done. He goes something. he says it's yeah. brilliant. He goes they must have done something really wrong to deserve a death like that, and that's and it is oh, it's, yeah, it's okay. making yeah. a point of of you know don't mess with the cartels and this doesn't happen to you you know like this is. I'm like, this yeah. is what blows me away about the the police in in Mexico and Juarez especially is just like, if you become a cop in these areas, you are literally, as far as I'm concerned, one of the bravest people I've ever met in my life. Well, not that I've met you, but I, I'm like, I couldn't even imagine uh, how brave you need to be to go up against these guys. And you know, there's a couple of um, I watch I watch a lot of the police report stuff that comes up on on the internet, and there's a couple of videos that have popped up that I've seen just out at random of like the Mexican police having these insane machine gun fights just in the street with the cartel. Cause the cartel just like, they'll come out, they'll start shooting machine guns and these guys on top of the back of the cars with the machine guns, having these insane gunfights. And I'm like, this is a, this is a, this is mental. 
It's like this is crazy. Like this is. And they're not. They're not just normal machine guns. We're on those trucks either. They they were like fifty. Oh, it's cal. military grade like, stuff. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's full they'll, on. they'll blow you apart when you get hit by a bullet. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like it's, that's, and I thought, like, what sort of, you know, just once again, coming from Australia where, you know, we don't have anything like that, to have just normal police running around town with, you know, with pickup trucks with 50 cows mounted to them. It's like, <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> it's, it's insane. Oh, I was just going to say, so, like, I have, I have mad respect for these, uh, these cops that, like, you know, they sign up. You know, and they're literally fighting probably, you know, one of the most difficult battles. Like, and like, not just in a movie, like this is the real life cops in like places like in Mexico and you know, Juarez especially is just like, you know, mad props for the guys that are doing it legitimately. Because obviously, as we see in this film, you know, like corruption, you know, we, we learn it. Uh, Alejandro tells us way early in the film, he's like, watch out for the state police. They're not always the good guys, you know, mm. like. So, you know, you know, mad props for the, for the cops who, man, are fighting the good fight, you know, like out, out in, these, in these really just violent cities and things like that. It's just, you know, huge respect for those guys. Most, so. of the, most of the border towns in the US are, are notoriously dangerous, and especially for, yeah. for um, you know, for, for visiting. Like, you know, you, you, you don't go to Tijuana and you don't go to Juarez and you don't go to, you know, a lot <laughs> of those border towns. I, because I, that's where the cartels are. Because... Tijuana was the party town, man. What the fuck? <laughs> we went through. We crossed it uh, to Son into Nogales. Um, oh yeah. And it, we weren't there for very long, but it was fine when we did it. But mm. yeah, you know. I know it's it's a shame because Juarez, like uh, again in that in that podcast that I listened to, the the Forgotten Women of Juarez, like it talks about the town and what it used to be like, and it used to be this wonderful city it used to be this beautiful city and it was like it was like it wasn't what you'd call a tourist destination city like it was but it was a really nice city and it was it was an industrial city so it was kind of like you know like here in Australia we're lucky enough to get so many you know like products you know made at a cost effective price and it gets sent over from Shenzhen in China you know like a lot of the gear we have at work and like you know like all your cameras and stuff like a lot of this kind of equipment comes from a place called Shenzhen in China and it's like it's a a really awesome industrial city and Juarez used to be the same uh, kind of like for America so America used to you know a lot of companies that export their manufacturing and, and production to Juarez and it was a really prosperous city it was making lots of money um and then you know the cartels real came in realizing that they're like oh we can use this city because there's so much uh there's so much stuff being exported and that's when the drug trade got involved in in the export game in that city as well and that's why it kind of went to shit and uh so it's kind of kind of a bit of a shame for Juarez you know because it was this really nice respectable low crime city and then you know in in the blink of an eye it turned into this chaotic uh, cartel-controlled city, so it's uh, it's a bit a bit rough for poor Juarez, you know. Like, but yeah, but if, you know, remember, I'd love to go there to be honest. I don't think I will, but the the landscape was very familiar. That like really dry, deserty. Like you just feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. Mm. It was that was all very familiar. Well, they had that shot. They had that shot. That helicopter shot at the border. And it's almost like they were trying to make the point of that realistically the only difference between these two areas is a fence. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. Um, no, there was... I thought there was there was one shot that followed the fence along. I thought it was quite good because it had like a paved road on one side and dirt track on the other. And, mm. and Yeah, yeah. And there was looked, the two helicopters. Yeah. And, and how accurate that is, is, you know, 
neither here nor there. It was it was disp- it was showing us a, a characteristic that they wanted to you know to show. I wonder if um I wonder Jesus, if they were what? accurate helicopter sounds. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to talk to Jaws. And- i tell you what, um, Juarez could use a few more street trees. It's, uh, yeah, I know. It's a bit, <laughs> bit bland, isn't it? Um, well, do you know what's barren. funny? It's funny that you mention that. This is a real issue uh, in in Los Angeles. Uh, there's actually, they have a shade, uh, they call it, what do they call it? It's, I listen know. to this podcast series about it. It's called a shade drought. People are oh. like when they're standing at bus stops and stuff, and they're like, yeah. they're, they're getting shade anywhere they can. It's insane. That's um, 99% invisible. That's a great show. Ah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They also, yeah. I, was, I was blown away. Yeah. I was, I was going to bring them up before, actually, because they, they also did an episode. It's a design uh, podcast about, you know, everyday, everyday things. I, I listened to a whole one on um, the, the curb ramps. And before they existed, you know, oh, like yeah. on a footpath, so wheelchair access to footpaths and things like that, you know, just like all sorts of stuff like that. Um, and but they also did, uh, they did an episode on the tourist industry of these drug towns, and like oh, yeah. how people like Brad were traveling to Medellin because yeah. of its its significance and 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 Ooh. how like. You know, if that's ethically right and who's benefiting off that and all that. It was really interesting. I try and dig that out. But um, it's, it's but that was also that kind of that dark tourist series that came out. Yeah, well that was also ninety nine percent invisible. That um, I would um uh, I must say though, like it just in, in hindsight, if I hadn't have been with Colombian people, I would not have probably gone to Medellin by myself. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um yeah. but yeah, so I did like, you know, and Bogota was, was sort of hard enough, enough and then yeah. you know yeah um but still nice town but just yeah mm. just just not even still and it's it's weird it was the first time um when i went to colombia it was the first time ever in my life that i've experienced racism against myself um just on my purely on my appearance so being oh, wow. a you know a six foot tall blonde guy blonde white guy in colombia you stand out a bit because everyone's about five foot four and you know darker skin and dark hair so you stand out a bit and they just automatically think that you're from the united states mm. and they're just like they walk yeah. past you and they they're not exactly spitting on you but they say things to you and and swear at you and you know call you a prick and you know put the gringo wow. and all this sort of stuff and you know basically gringo, tell you to fuck yeah, off and and what the fuck yeah. are you doing here and mm. and then the the weird thing was that as soon as they found out that you were from australia it just everything changed like they they'd basically <laughs> invite you to their house and and all these sort of things, but they're just you know you need, you need to wear the uh, you need to wear the Australia Day you know Australian flag outfit. That's what you need to wear. I was going to say, Brad, there. weren't you rocking around in the Bing Tang singlet and the, the, <laughs> and the Australian, Australian flag shorts? Yeah, and, yeah. Thongs, and the amount of times that like people. Up. I'd, I'd be doing stuff and uh, like people would be looking at me with this real scowl on their face and the first thing they'd ask me is where am I from you know in a real sort of like rough way and then I'd tell them yeah. that you know I was from Australia and then it just it'd all change just everything would change but Amazing. so but then again you also you know when you're in Latin American countries and you see how the United States treats Latin America you kind of also understand why that you know if you were an American tourist in Latin America you're probably not going to get treated that well <laughs> yeah um, hey I, I just want to st- Dear, sorry. What are you going to say? There? Oh, I was going to steer us back to the film. Is that? <laughs> yes, that's what I was going to. Oh, let's, we'll, let's stop the dark tourist, <laughs> the dark tourist podcast, and we'll let's get back onto the uh, onto the the 
the movie. L, did you have a specific thing you wanted to uh, talk look, about? Look, I, I could talk about that um, that whole first sequence of them crossing the border to get Guillermo and back again. Was that was I think that was my favorite part of the film. Like it was so intense. Yeah, and the, the music is that's really real nice. close proximity driving. Yeah, and I love I love watching that stuff. I love watching like five or six of the same car tearing around, <laughs> like they're connected. Yeah. You know, like yeah, they're it's like a train. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's cool. I enjoy that. Um, but just like when you when you see them crossing the border initially, like that would uh, the the brief experience I had with crossing that border was exactly the same. Like we crossed. And there was absolutely nobody about going from the States into Mexico. We're just like, uh, we're just going to go over here now and be in Mexico. (laughs) You know, like there was no, and you could see that. You could see on that that way in, they just flew through like, it was like two lanes going in. And then, but next to it, you can see the 10 lanes trying to get back into the States and the queue of just like a million people was like, yeah, wow, that's crazy. Into that Which is um, and and it's a ver- the difference between the borders of the US is like you've got the Mexican border that looks like that, and then you go up north to the Canadian border, and it's literally just like almost like crossing the Murray into New South Wales, you know. Well, maybe yeah, not at the totally. moment because that's that's yeah, actually right. looks like Checkpoint Charlie at the moment. So, <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> so maybe not right now, but you know, um, <laughs> yeah. it was just like it was just a breeze. You basically just you know when I remember going into Canada, it was just literally you just passport, yeah, cool, all right, and yeah, dump them. You know, yeah, through. we did it in the middle of the night. And like on a bus and got woken up and I, oh, oh, passport. Oh yeah, cool. Okay. <laughs> like it was done. <laughs> yeah. Mm. What were you going to say, Jules? It's your turn now. Jules is gone. <laughs> oh my God. He just time jumped closer to the screen. <laughs> Sorry, boys. The old, the old Zoom is playing up. That was weird. <laughs> um, um, sorry. No, now, I'm just going to go back for a sec. I don't know. I think, I'm sure you guys just finished off, but I was just going to say about that scene um, where they go and pick up Guillermo and the whole coming back across the bridge. I was going to try and do a bit of a spiel about the build-up of tension and all that, and I realized that I'm far from qualified to, to get into the, the details of it. Um, there is a YouTube channel, uh, and these guys, they do movie reviews and all kinds of stuff. These guys are like, they're no actually smart. Well, they're smarter than me. So they're called Sinfix, C-I-N-F-I-X. And they do a complete breakdown of the that scene. So for basically going into Juarez and coming out and it's they do a full breakdown analysis of the buildup of tension uh, that is that scene. And like I said, don't. I'm not even going to waste my breath trying to explain the build-up of tension. Get onto YouTube, look up Sinfix, look up scenario, Sicario, and they'll give you this incredible breakdown of the insane build-up of tension that is that scene to where it all explodes. And just So yeah, so definitely get like, out there and check that one out. So I like that we're not a movie review podcast. We're just a, we're just a, we find things for you to go find. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go watch those Definitely. guys yeah yeah they, they do honestly when you watch we it found though, this, you, you should watch, go watch this, this explanation mm-hmm. yeah you watch this explanation and you realise like ah nah Jules you wouldn't be qualified to talk about this right? <laughs> so <laughs> I know when to step back and let someone else take um, the reins so Ugh. so um John Bernthal um <laughs> yep has, has <laughs> he he plays a piece of shit a lot doesn't he he, he does, doesn't he? 
he he was a piece of shit in Walking Dead. He was a piece of shit in Baby Driver. Yeah, piece yeah. of shit in this. <laughs> I mean, he was a Punisher. Who's he's going to say? He's also a Punisher, Rick. isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, One of the Punishers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pre- he was probably a piece of shit. In, I know he's in Fury. I can't remember. He was in that. He was the um, uh, yeah. He was. He was, he was a, a complete redneck. Uh, the, he was uh, not the yeah, driver. Right. He was the um, the was gunner or something. <laughs> yeah, Fury was good. He was like the ultra racist guy. That's yeah. right. I need um, to watch Fury again. That was good. That's a good film. Yeah. God damn it, Rick. Yeah, but he's <laughs> man. His his little snippet of this was super unnerving. I oh, mm. it was yeah. That's all I gotta say on that. <laughs> it's funny because they 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 weren't actually gonna have that scene. That was a late addition to the uh, to the movie because they um, uh, I think it wasn't done at the editing phase, but they very quickly realised that they needed to have a scene where they need to kind of humanise Kate and uh, and her partner Reggie. They just kind of need to say these people aren't just these robots that are on this, you know, police mission and blah, blah, blah. Like, they're actually humans. So they, they very quickly realised they needed this scene and then they're like, oh, it actually worked really well, like, by, by putting this because it gives us a little bit more of a story on yeah. what's going on with the know. corruption. I think it's more important like to... Dem- I think it's more important to demonstrate that the US aren't perfect. Like, you yes. know, it was nice. Like, you know how when they're in, when they're in the briefing for the, the opening scene and you've got that whole group of you know, marine dudes and, you know, they're all freaking huge with their massive guns and, you know, big biceps and all that oh. sort of stuff. And, you know, they're all wearing sunnies inside and just being douchebags, you know, usual. Or chewing. Seeing, yeah. The yeah, Delta guys. Like. Um, and a lot of the time, like, you know, we, in the Michael Bay era of, of filmmaking, we always get this, badass awesome view of the military in the US and stuff and it's nice to see people question it in a movie like this like it's nice to see someone stepping up yeah. and saying what you're doing is illegal or you know and, and them actually saying hey look around you because not everyone around you is a good guy and Reggie said Reggie had no idea like Reggie's like oh he was a really good friend of mine I had no idea that he mm. he was dodgy yeah. you know and I don't know. It just added that mm. extra bit of grittiness in terms of. It's not just like it, it was. It was good that they didn't have all the bullshit happening on the other side of the border. It was. I think it was important yes. for them to show that shit like that's happening in the US as well. Yeah. And that it's a yeah, problem it's like, for both. Dodgy, it's the, not just. The, the it's cops not a Mexican problem. Well. It's a, yeah. Correct. No, I yeah. totally agree, Tim. Yeah. And you know when like it, it was so heartbreaking when Kate was sitting there talking to Reggie and she's like, oh. You know, I just tried to have sex with my assassin, kind of thing. Like, just that moment of yeah. of vulnerability. She's realizing, holy crap! Like, I've really got to be careful. Um, I was really worried about that scene and thinking, oh god, here we go. We've we've added a you know just a, a love interest thing into it, and I went, oh, this is so typical. And then it went completely yeah. opposite direction to where I thought it was actually going to go. Um, but yeah, and I agree, it did sort of humanize the character quite a lot. Um, and then to find out that they basically used her as bait. <laughs> Um, yeah. And Josh Brolin's character says, "Oh, you know, it's all about how you write it," and then tells her, "You know, that, well, that's what you should write in your report." Where it was like that you lured this person in because you needed to do it, and mm. and just sort of completely disregarded the fact that she'd literally just nearly been murdered and and you know had a throat crushed. It's interesting. I, mm. I it made me think about the casting choices for this 
for this for Kate and if there was a lot of I, don't, I, I couldn't work out how to say it so I was trying to just trying to work out how to bring it up but I feel like casting a woman seemed very on purpose more than just casting because Emily Blunt was right for the role it felt like they wanted to amplify the vulnerability which I wasn't really on board with like there was that scene and the other scene was when she came back out of the tunnel and Josh Brolin was really really physical with her and I just wonder how that would have played if if that wasn't Emily Blunt um, mm. which I was kind of bummed at people being a bit mm. like mm. yeah I don't know. I was I was confused basically. I'm like because because outside of those two scenes there's not a lot of differentiation, which is great. Like there's just she's just another FBI agent mm. you know working this this field, but those just kind of like pushed the limit a bit for me to be like, "Oh, yeah, right. Did we need to be that physical?" Because, I mean, they got super, like, they subdued Reggie very quickly when she came out of the tunnel as well. Um, yeah. but it, Yeah, it's kind of like they both they both kind of get their asses handed to them, you know, when it comes to push and shove. But you're yeah, right, but though, it just wasn't it shoved in your face though. as much when it happened to Reggie. You know, and look, yeah. Hmm. They get him on the ground, they get a foot on his chest and a gun in his face like he's going to stop. Uh, whereas I love, I love like the line really that pushing that, around. Yeah. Well, I suppose it's because we're more emotionally invested with what happens with Kate as opposed to Reggie. Like we know Reggie's been subdued, but we're not going to get as long of scene watching him get his ass handed to him of because yeah. we don't care as much. But uh, but I do love that what the Delta guy says to him when Reggie's on the ground. He's like, just lay back. Just let it happen. <laughs> so I was just like, oh, yeah, okay. Was, no, uh, it was that. a bit creepy. That's gross. That was, that was really bit, gross. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. That scene, I, mean, it I, was wanna, a, it, I do want to talk it seemed about like that, that an appropriate. Scene. It seemed like an appropriate line because it was gross. Yeah. Um, yeah, but see, yes, yeah, this is that, the that's difference the point. between... We, had, we spoke a lot last episode with Starship Troopers about the... the the, the, the meshing of genders, you know, particularly in the shower and all that sort of stuff in the military and and the progressiveness of that. Yeah. And then you look at this scenario in the real world and they're the kind of things that dudes yeah. say in the heat of the moment and you realise yeah. the massive bloody problem that there is. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Which is, which is why I'm saying, like, the line worked in this context. Like, it was gross, but that that added to it. For me, it, it fit the I mean? MO like, of, yeah. of those guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, definitely, definitely. Like, yeah. Mm. Sorry. Well, it's because you know, even guess, before that's, they that's, went into the tunnel, that guy's like at Reggie and and uh, Kate. He's like, "Don't you know? You keep your safeties on. Don't shoot. Don't my shoot guys. any of my like, people." Yeah. Like it's like, yeah. Who the fuck are you, mate? Yeah. <laughs> well, they're anyway. cowboys, and that's what they're they're being the hired guns things that we were talking about before. They're um. You know they are kind of cowboys. They're you know they're it's it's what they are. 
Mm. And that's the shit. That's the shit thing, isn't it? Like that's why so many people want to join up is because they want to be that cowboy. They want to be that. Yeah, they're almost mercenary sort of thing, you know. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Anyway. I just, I just want to talk about that that scene. So them going into the tunnel. One thing I really, really loved was the um, the the fact that we only get a perspective through the night vision and the thermal cameras and the thermal cameras. So like that. So yeah, good. that that Very scene. Cool. The that whole was cool. thing was yeah. just filmed in pitch black. But I, one thing I really thought was awesome was this. I mean, this might be the tech coming out in me being a bit of a nerd but i love the the quality difference between what the police have or you know what she has as a swat slash fbi agent she's they've got the old school night vision where they're really struggling but then these these delta guys have got these freaking awesome thermal cameras and man you can just see everything with that thing like it looks yeah. awesome like and they want one of those things didn't they that do something all. yeah i can't remember what it was but they did something to do the footprints like yeah, they, they like heated, heated, up, the heated up the boots. Yeah, so it was all it was all filmed yeah. appropriately like that. Like they didn't have that in or anything. That's very clever. So did did any of you guys catch the uh, the progression of Kate's shirts? Yeah, anyone know what I'm referring to? No. <laughs> so so <laughs> as the movie goes on, so as the movie starts, when we see Kate when she's not in her tactical gear, her shirt is is like a very, it's very blue. It's very uh, like it's it's you know, very visually blue, like a, I can't even think of an example, but it's very blue. And as the movie progresses and we all slowly become worn down, her, the color of blue that she's wearing becomes more and more and more faded to the point at the end of the movie where her top is actually gray. It was actually done intentionally. So yeah, if if you, if you do find yourself going back to the movie, uh, you know, her, the color of her shirt fading to gray is supposed to be a, a bit of a representation of her kind of, tolerance or, or you know I don't even know the word okay it's not coming to my mind but yeah just her uh, I guess her motivation uh, for everything yeah it goes from this bright blue all the way down to this this gray I, th- I found that very maybe it's like a it's a representation clever. of like a moral beat down so to speak yeah that's exactly right yeah that's that's what I was trying to well uh, it's like I always get so it. you mentioned it yeah he says what you got one t-shirt a week yeah it's, it, yeah. I always get a surprise when I see uh, John McClane at the start of Die Hard in his like fresh clothes, <laughs> fresh singlet. Like, you know, my memory is all about him at the end when it's all like brown and bloodied and and then Christmas isn't far away. Hey, yeah, hey, hey. <laughs> hey, you know what really ground my gears in this? You don't know um, how ground my gears. <laughs> it was the way that Manuel Diaz wears his watch. <laughs> yeah. It was like oh, I didn't notice. It was like five times too big. The band it was just like floating on his wrist, <laughs> just fl- and it'd be flapping about when he's. It was like he'd wrapped like, a pool noodle around his hand. Oh, I tell you what, it would be <laughs> like it looked like a it looked like a schmick watch, but it was not properly worn at all. <laughs> it was like more. Uh, than that could be a cartel thing. Together. I don't know. Yeah. Could be a cartel thing. <laughs> I used to I used to wear a watch like that back when baggy jeans were popular, and you have a big chain that's linked to your belt, to your wallet, and like all that crap. Yeah. Like I used, to, that, I used to have yeah. a big baggy watch. I get the probably the last thing I want to touch on because I think I think we are kicking on in time a bit, but the, probably the last thing I want to touch on is um, I love I love that the film switches. Um, 
quite dramatically from Kate's story to Alejandro's story. And I was kind of, I always thought it was a bit jarring. I was a bit like, oh, I wonder why it just goes from her to him. And I think it's because throughout the entirety of the movie, Kate never really knows what the hell's going on. And it's not until she does finally find out. She finds out, she sees Alejandro, or, you know, obviously Matt tells her what's going on. We see Alejandro, you know, um, taking the Silvio's cop car and blah, blah, blah. Once she knows what's going on, then we know what's going on. And that means that we get that part of the story. We haven't seen any other part of the story apart from Kate's story until we know what's going on. And then we're allowed as a viewer to know what's going on in the rest of the story. I just thought that was awesome yeah, nice. the yeah. way they did that. That is cool. Yeah, so. The other thing yeah. it could be as well is that, um, uh, is that, you know, she, she and Reggie are told that the only reason why they're on this mission is for a political reason, because they need some domestic officers in order to carry out their mission. Oh, totally. And so once that is for, and once that is fulfilled, we then start following Alejandro kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah. it's almost like yeah, you know, that's, ah, good your point. job is done. It's like, we've, yeah, as soon as, as soon as we discover that they've been used, we're done with mm. them. Like, mm. yeah. And I love that, like, because it's like, how often do you have the main character of a movie? You think they're built up to what they're going to be doing is this huge, grand gesture of, and they're of not whatever, there for, like the climax. And, yeah, and then you just, yeah, then you're just like, no, you're just a, you're just a very minor tool for us. Mm. Now go away. Yeah, you know, we like can't was, do what we so need brutal, to do without just, you being here. Yeah, yeah. Legally, you think about it, like, legally, it's almost it. like any, like, like your typical kind of Hollywood film would be that say. While Alejandro grabs the cop, he also gets her and forces her into the car, and she's forced along with yeah. this mission. Like you almost feel like that's how it would usually go. Whereas in this time, just, it's like, yeah. bang, you're done. See you later. Yeah. And I think that's what the, that's one of the things that really appeals to me of this movie is it just doesn't follow that Hollywood formula. It just doesn't. Mm. Like, there's so much about this film. Like, I'm sure there are things that are a bit Hollywoodish, but like, there's so much of this movie. I'm just like, oh yeah, this is not your standard kind of hero's journey kind of movie you know like we just don't have that mm. so yeah Ugh. very good good chat <laughs> well boys we're kicking on a bit it's true oh if okay so if we're kicking on a bit then it must be time for Al's favourite segment which would be every film has a shared universe <laughs> Brad do you want to start us off uh, no. Okay. <laughs> you just love refuse it to take part in this segment, Brad. I love it. It's not my favourite segment, that's why. <laughs> I've, I've got a couple on this one. <laughs> that's good, because i got nothing. It, and it, it, I'm, I'm, pull, I'm pulling oh, really? this week. No, i, I got let three. Me guess, let me guess, Jules. It's got something to do with Tad's dead. Dad. Tad's dead. Tad's dead. It does. Tad's dead. Tad's dead. What? Tad's dead. Tad's dead. what I meant to say. I got so excited I couldn't speak for a second then. No, no, no. Okay, so I've got uh, I've got two or three here. I've just got to see what they're... Okay, so the first one, yes. Ted's dad was the officer that taught Kate to be a stand-up-by-the-book officer. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the first one. The th- oh, I do have three, clutching sorry. A, clutching at straws here, Num- Jules. <laughs> number two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a stretch. It's what we stretch. do every week, mate. Number two, the SWAT truck that smashes through <laughs> the house at the start yes. of Sicario is the <laughs> same SWAT truck that goes to hell. Brilliant. <laughs> in, the first in, edition in, of Face of uh, Music. The newest one. I love it. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and the third one I've got, 
So, the th- and the third one I've got is that Colonel Oates from the um, Oates Military Academy has worked his way up into the government and is now the one calling the shots for Sicario. So, yeah, they're the three I've got. <laughs> I like the SWAT truck. I'm one. going with the SWAT truck, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sw- all right, SWAT truck's that's good. That's brilliant. <laughs> so, that's it. Jeez, that's Ted's got, dad, so. he's been a busy man, hasn't he? He's he's turning into he's a He's been a busy man. Yeah. <laughs> It used Maybe to be Rufi, really uh, Rufius and now it's uh, together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> none of the music, none of the song would have worked unless Ted's dad was playing clarinet in the back there. <laughs> yep. Agreed. <laughs> Brad's just like, uh, too, guys, let's stop talking dad. about this fucking movie. <laughs> oh, All right. Wow. Ratings. Uh, Al, before we get on to ratings, where can you find I- us, please? Oh, you want to do this now? Okay. Yeah, we'll do it now. Okay, cool. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching San Dimas School of Film. Uh, you can send us an email uh, at... No, sorry. San Dimas Film at gmail.com. Uh, you can shoot me a text if you like. Uh, my neighbour was harassing me in the street today about whether it was his, his turn yet. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's like you up to my film yet. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, one Rick Gerbs has offered me a bribe to get him to the top of the list. So <laughs> it's a hot race. It is a hot race at the moment. Uh, yeah, I think they're probably the best ways to get us. Uh, and I give this Definitely. film forty percent. Forty percent. Yeah. Wow. Like, you... Yeah. I'm just rolling straight into I'm it. Not I'm surprised. Like, yes, like I... I was about to say. <laughs> It's good, it's <laughs> yeah. good, but it's no Bill and Ted. Like, it was a, you know, it was a stressful watch, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, it was good. No, to, to be brutally honest, that, that's I a lot. That's it. a lot higher than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I thought it, I thought you guys were going to be. I actually thought you guys. I thought this was going to be another episode of Revolver, where I was going to be like, kind of <laughs> yeah. having to justify why I chose the film, and <laughs> you know, but now forty percent. Jules, you go next. Yeah, uh, look. For, obviously, this is this is the film I chose. I own this film on Blu-ray, so I have a hard copy. Uh, and I I really do love this film. I think it's freaking brilliant. I I get more out of it every time I watch it, and you know, like I I'm learning so much more just about history because this film's triggering me to watch. Uh, sorry, to to study other things and just and have knowledge about other things. So, uh, I'm gonna go probably ninety three percent. Is the number that pops to mind. Bill and Ted's so, still better. No, yeah, definitely it's not. Yeah, not it's not Bill and Ted. Like this cinematographically uh, is is sensational, and it has got a very confronting storyline. But you know, I do love Bill and Ted. So ninety three percent for me. Brad, nice. <laughs> um, I'm gonna probably be down with with Al. So I'm probably gonna say forty percent as well. It like now that I've seen it all the way through, it was you know it was it was okay. Um, you know, definitely not one of the greatest films I've ever seen, but it, um, like it was, I won't say it was an easy watch, but it was like, I'm glad I've seen it, but yes, I'd say 40%. I was going to say earlier, it's like, how much of a badass is Benicio Del Toro in this film? Like seriously, made for this role. He was just in every (laughs) film. It's just like, seriously, the dude's just hard. It's like the, it's like the less he says, the more badass he is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. um, (laughs) It did remind me a lot of the film Traffic, which he was in as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was based more around yeah. T1. I've seen it. I can't remember it. Yeah, it was going to be your score was going to be heaps lower there, Brad. 
No, no, it was, it was all right. Like it, it, it kept me in, in, you know, it kept me in it. Like it, it wasn't dull by any means. Yeah, yeah, nice. Timothy, um, loved it. Big fan of this movie. Um, I'd seen it once before you suggested it, and I don't know maybe I don't know my first watch. I maybe I didn't. I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't really there. I wasn't really present with it. I watched it twice for this, and I. Really enjoyed it both times. Um, and, yeah, I'm kind of similar to you, Jules. Like, it's kind of made me a little... It's kind of raised my fascination with all that sort of stuff um, and what's actually really going on there and that sort of thing. I'll probably give this maybe around about a 75, I reckon. Yeah, it's definitely awesome. up there. Oh, mad respect, boys. <laughs> I thought that you guys were going to grill this, but... Uh... <laughs> It's no Tokyo 3. It's know. no Tokyo Drift, mate. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, a real yeah, bloody roller coaster we're on with your choices. So, yep. <laughs> um, so look, Al, I do appreciate you rolling with that curveball I threw you before with the How Do You Find Us. I don't know what I did there. So, Sorry, instead of doing that now, because we've already done it, yeah. we should probably go on to what we're going to do next episode. <laughs> All right, so given, given my neighbours... Uh, antsiness to to get to the top of the queue, even though he harassment the most <laughs> request. So, can I just before you go on, um, just to make you aware that Rick has offered some beer for you? Because I said to him, "Oh, look, Al's the keeper of the list, so I can only do so much." Um, so I don't know. Keep that in your uh, next one. Next one is uh, Matt. Is it Matt Casarina? How do you say Matt's last name? Sure. Matt, what, as in Matt Caruana? Yeah, that's the one, Matt Caruana. Uh, all right, import. Yeah, uh, and he's picked 1990s uh, Robin Williams, uh, Robert De Niro. Anybody, anybody? We're going to be watching uh, Awakenings. Mmm. Yeah. All right. Mm. I've not seen it. Didn't we mention this in a recent episode? Didn't we mention Awakenings? Maybe. Yeah, I think we did. Maybe. Cool. Maybe. Yeah. Right. Cool. I've not, I've not, no, I didn't. No. I think I've is said it a comedy or is it a drama? No, I don't think it's a comedy. No, nah, it's drama. It's one of Robbie, oh, awesome. Robbie Williams's uh, first sort of serious awesome. ones, I think. Nice. I love his series, right? It's like when you watch, awesome. when you watch, when you watch one hour photo. Yeah. It's like, it's good. It's more yeah. like, I think it, it's, it's more like a goodwill hunting from memory. Okay. Fisher Kingy sort of thing. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, cool. I can't remember what it's about. What? Is it, uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe it was someone else I was talking to. Anyway, cool. Awakenings. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. Very cool, good. Cool, cool. No doubt. All right. Well, that about wraps no up. Thank you, Jules, for bringing that to us. And um, yeah, Welcome. next episode. Thank you, Matt. We're going to get on to awakening. So in the meantime, be excellent to your ears and potty on, dudes. <laughs>